Call them what you want. Dynamic duos, heroes and sidekicks, faithful friends. But you know how the drill goes. So if I say Robin, you say Batman, okay? <laughs> heroes and sidekicks, okay? Dynamic duels. Okay, if I say Barney Rubble, you say Fred Flintstone. Okay, we're getting it. If I say Chewbacca, you say Han Solo. Okay, some Star Wars fans. Okay, those, those are pretty easy. How about this? If I say Dr. Watson, you say Sherlock Holmes. If I say Donkey, you say Shrek. All right. If I say the Supremes, you say Diana Ross. And if I say the Wazettes, you say... Janet Naprol. <laughs> no, you say Craig Wozner, because Janet and April are the Wazettes. <laughs> Some people are just forever linked. And yet it's not an equal pairing. In, uh, in one of these, uh, one side of the friendship, it's the hero, and the other side or at least the center of attention, and the other side is the sidekick, the backup singer, the, the friends who forever live in the shadow of their more famous partner. And everyone wants to be the hero. I mean, I grew up in the time of the first Star Wars movies, so everyone wanted to be like Luke Skywalker, or Princess Leia, or Han Solo. Nobody wanted to be Chewbacca. Over the years, I saw a lot of, uh, of Shrek Halloween costumes. Don't recall any donkeys. And who dreams of being a supreme? Who are the supremes? There are nine different singers who sang as a supreme over the years. Do you know the name of any one of them? No, we don't know the names of the backup singer, but Diana Ross, well, we recognize that name. In fact, at age 78, she is up for a Grammy Award tonight for her latest album, even without the Supremes. Everyone wants to be the star. Everyone would like to be the Batman. Who wants to be Robin? Now, there aren't many dynamic duos in the Bible. There's Moses and Aaron. There's Paul and Silas. But there is one friendship that stands out. David and... No, that's not a friendship. <laughs> Perhaps we need to talk a little bit about the meaning of friendship. It's, it's David and Jonathan. Jonathan is his friend, his sidekick. See, you didn't even know his name. But you probably know all about David, right? You know about David and Goliath. How the boy David took down Goliath with a sling and a stone. You might recall how he could play music so well that he could calm the troubled spirit of King Saul when he went into one of his funks. Did you know that David is author of about half of the Psalms in the Bible? And of course, David is the one who gets the girl, the beautiful Bathsheba, and the kingdom, King David. Like the big man on campus, who was the star of the football team, got the lead in the school play, was voted homecoming queen, king, and always had a date, plus he had a 4.0 GPA. 
David is almost too good to be true. Sure, he had that little trouble with adultery and murder, but other than that, <laughs> he was a man after God's own heart, and even says so in the scriptures. And of course he was. I mean, look at him. He's Batman. He doesn't have much in common with us, us ordinary people. But Jonathan, on the other hand, is more like us, more like a Robin. He's the faithful sidekick, the backup singer. Even though his own father is king, Jonathan lives in, in the shadow of his best friend's fame. Everyone knows that David should be king, not Jonathan's dad, King Saul. But if David becomes king, then that pushes Jonathan out of the way. It's like if Meghan Markle and Prince Harry were to shove King Charles off the throne and take over and, and push Prince William to the side. But Jonathan doesn't begrudge David his fame or moan about the fact that he is destined to lose out to his friend because Jonathan has something he can't lose, his integrity and his faithful friendships. And that's something that God can use. So as we hear the story about David and Jonathan, I want you to think not about the hero, not about David, but about his faithful friend, the sidekick, the Robin, who God uses to accomplish his purposes. We find the story in the 20th chapter of 1 Samuel. David now fled from Naoth and Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done, he exclaimed. What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? Saul knows that the people want David to be king instead of him. And so Saul does everything in his power to have David eliminated. Jonathan, of course, can't believe that his own dad would want to kill his best friend. That's not true, Jonathan protested. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan. Why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I'm only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. Tell me what I can do to help you, Jonathan exclaimed. Never once does Jonathan say, wait a minute, maybe my dad is right. With David out of the way, I'll be the one with everything. No, he's a faithful friend. In fact, we're told back in chapter 18 that Jonathan and David had made a promise of friendship, a covenant before God even, to be there for each other. And Jonathan is a person of integrity, a man of his word. So Jonathan asks how he can help. David replied, tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. If your father asks where I am, tell him I ask permission to go home to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says, fine, you will know that all is well. 
But if he's angry and loses his temper, you will know that he is determined to kill me. Show me this loyalty as my sworn friend, for we made a solemn pact before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father, but please don't betray me to him. Never, Jonathan exclaimed. You know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. And so they go on to carry out David's plan. And David skips the dinner with King Saul and he goes out and hides. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if, I could go to Beth if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice. My brothers demanded that I be there, so please let me get away to see my brothers. That's why he isn't here at the king's table. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore, he swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But why should he be put to death, Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last Jonathan realized that his father really was determined to kill David. What a jerk. A father swearing at his son, calling his mother a whore, demanding that he sell out his friend and participate in his murder. I mean, it's an awful scene. But it's one that in some ways gets repeated a lot. It's really not that uncommon. A lot of people grow up in households that are dysfunctional and are treated like Jonathan. How awful for him. And yet Jonathan is a true friend. Even though David will take the throne that is Jonathan's by birthright, yet Jonathan maintains his friendship and his integrity, and he saves David from King Saul's anger. As planned, Jonathan goes out to the field and he sets up target practice. David is in hiding there. He shoots an arrow, and then he tells a young boy to go look for it in a certain place. And that's the signal to David that Jonathan's dad really is out to kill him and that he must flee. Jonathan sends the boy back to town with the bow and arrows, and then he speaks to his friend. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he'd been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left, and Jonathan returned to town. So David goes on the run. Saul would continue to try to hunt him down, and Jonathan would continue to try to support David until both Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle with the Philistines. The hero goes on to fame. David becomes king. 
and the sidekick becomes almost a footnote in the Bible. I mean, you, you didn't even remember his name. But if it wasn't for Jonathan's faithful friendship and his insistence on doing the right thing, David would have been killed. And we wouldn't have had half of the Psalms that we have. And we wouldn't have had all those kings who would follow in David's footsteps and sit on his throne. And most of all, we wouldn't have had an angel say to certain shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It took a David to bring us a Savior, but it took a Jonathan to save David. So if you were a David type, if you're one of those who has everything, good looks, great talent, amazing popularity, and all the power that this world can give, well then good for you. God can use somebody like you. But if you're not the big man or big woman on campus, if you're the sidekick, the backup singer, the Robin, the Chewbacca, the donkey, the Jonathan, if you have nothing else to offer God than your friendships and your integrity, God can use someone like you too. In powerful ways and in small ways as well. Have you ever thought of your friendships as a superpower to be used for good? To be used for God? You may have a lot of friends. You may just have a few. But you have the unique ability to impact your friends in the name of Jesus. Your words might not mean much to the world at large, but to your friends, they are a superpower because your words carry weight. For example, God could use you to speak a word of encouragement. Encouraging words are great, but when they come from a friend, they're even better. Just this last week, somebody wrote a note on my, my pages up here after worship. And when I went to collect them, I found them. And they were amazing words of encouragement. One says, you did a great job today, Pastor Mark. Be you. And the other one said, you're amazing. Now you don't know how much these few words uplifted me. These words of encouragement. Romans 12 says that, that everyone is given different spiritual gifts, and one of the spiritual gifts that's listed is the gift of encouragement. All it takes is a few words from you to make your friend's day. Or maybe you're a person of action. What acts of friendship and faithfulness could you show towards your friends? Maybe you could bring them a prayer shawl. There's a, a whole table full of prayer shawls outside there made to be given to somebody who's in a time of need where they need God's presence and comfort. They can wrap themselves in these handmade shawls that, that have been prayed over. Maybe it's a time of grief or a time of illness. You could bring them one of those. Doesn't take much. Maybe you could just ask your friend out for coffee. 
Or maybe you could do something big. Jonathan saved David's life. Maybe God could use your friendship to save someone's life. Maybe you make the kind of observation that only a friend can get away with telling and only a friend could hear. Boy, you're not looking very well. Are you feeling all right? How about if I take you down to the clinic and get you checked out? You could do that. Or say I'm worried about you. You know, I found AA is a big help. Would you like to go with me? Or even promise me you won't hurt yourself without talking to me. I'm your best friend. If you feel like hurting yourself, you call me and I'll be there. And then you do. Because you've promised. And you're a person of integrity. You're a faithful friend. God can use our faithful friends to accomplish his purposes. Maybe even save someone's life. Or perhaps save someone's soul. Do you know that the number one reason that people come to church or go to a Bible study or or even accept Jesus for the first time is because a friend invited them to do so. Not a pastor, not some slick advertisement, not a book or a TV show or a Gideon Bible in a hotel room, but a friend who cared enough to invite someone and whose friendship gave that someone the courage to accept the invitation. If you're a faithful friend, God can use someone like you. As long as you're a friend with integrity. Jonathan could have sold David out to get the throne. He could have caved into the pressure from his father to do what was wrong. But in the face of his own temptations and outside pressure, he did what was right. That's integrity. And that's a superpower in this world of self-interest and tossed-aside relationships and a relentless pressure to cave in and take the easy road. Last week, I don't know if you caught it uh, in the news, but there was a, a report of a JV basketball coach who was fired for impersonating one of her 13-year-old players. It happened in all places, uh, uh, Churchland High School. And the girls' JV team was, was there at the top of the standings. It was 9-1. and one. And when one of their good players had to go out of town and couldn't be there for the game, the coaching staff came up with a plan. The 22-year-old assistant JV coach would impersonate the missing player and take her place in the game. And she played great. Of course she would. But news leaked out of her charade, and, and she and the varsity coach who had encouraged it and the, the head JV coach, they were all fired. I mean, it's almost too ridiculous to imagine. What is so important about winning a JV game that you would cheat like that? Did they think that they were doing these girls a favor by keeping them in first place? Did the assistant coach cave into pressure from the other coaches to do this? And what about the players who were sucked into their lies? No one spoke up and did what was right. 
and now their whole season is canceled. They've had to forfeit every game. The father of the girl whose place was taken by the coach said afterwards, coaches are always preaching to kids about integrity and those types of things. So I was just so shocked. Integrity is in short supply in this world. So short that the coaches are impersonating students to win a JV game. So your integrity is like a superpower that God can use to accomplish his purpose in this world. Put faithful friendship and integrity together and you have the real winning combination. Last week, we heard from the message version of the Bible from Romans 12, these words. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Well, today I want to say to you, here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday ordinary friendships, your neighbor friend and your old classmates, your work friends and your church friends, your fishing buddies and your spin class pals, take all of those ordinary friendships and place them before God as an offering. Pray something like this. God, help me to be the friend you want me to be. Help me to have integrity and keep my promises. I don't have to be the hero. Just let me be the faithful friend. Because I, can, I know you can use someone like that. Someone like me. And God can use someone like you. In your friendship, in your integrity, to change the world. Let's pray. God, we, we all have different roles to play in this world. Some of us are the Diana Rosses. Some of us are the Supremes. Some of us are the Batmans, and some of us are the Robins, the Davids, and the Jonathans. Help us to use our friendship in whatever role we find ourselves in. May our friendships have an impact. And may we live lives of integrity that bear witness into this world how powerful it is to keep a promise and to care for a friend. Lord, help us to do that today. Even if we aren't superheroes or even sidekicks, help us to be yours.